0: Welcome to Concerning Therapists Mental Health Through the Looking Glass, a podcast largely concerned with psychotherapists from which a listener may discover much of their character, journey, and a little of their history.
1: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not reflect those of any employer, affiliation, group, or other individual. Additionally, this podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.
0: Welcome to Concerning Therapists. I'm Erica, and CJ, who do we have with us today?
1: So today we have Adam Cole. Um, You're going to be able to give us more insight into how we found Adam, but essentially, Adam works specifically uh, with couples working around their finances. And so I had a quick look at his website, but a lot of this is discovery for me as well. So I've got lots of questions today.
0: Yeah. So Adam, what is the official title that you use?
2: Yeah,
1: I call myself a couple's
2: financial coach. Okay. Uh, So I'm not a therapist, but I am a coach. Uh, And it's basically something that I made up Right, <laughs> it's nice. just there's not a lot of people who do this kind of work, and so I kind of had to pave my own way, and I use some different titles, uh, but I think I've settled on couples financial is the way to go.
1: So, Adam, how did you get into this type of work?
2: Yeah, well, I'll give like the bird's eye, and then go back through a little more. Detail. Sure. So, I am a certified mediator. I used to be a tax lawyer, and before that, a financial advisor. Uh, and a coach now. So I saw an opportunity to put all of those skills and experiences together and make an impact here because money is one of the top causes of stress and forced relationships. But to dial it back, I've always been a finance geek, grew up watching the stock market channel with my grandpa, like age six or seven. I love seeing the numbers. Uh, and Then I studied economics as an undergrad and then took an opportunity to work as a financial advisor. And that's really where I first saw, wow, there is a lot of power in having certain knowledge, right? And then in that context, also certain products and services, which I don't do through my business, but nevertheless, I've seen the value of them for couples and families. Um, And then I got married at 23 and went to law school. And after I finished my then wife was completing her graduate study. She had one more year than I did. And I decided to go off to NYU and get a master's in tax law in particular. Uh, and while I was getting that master's, she and I decided to get to a report. Right? So that also was, I think, another big point, because even though ours wasn't about money, we didn't have any children, it was nevertheless one of the most difficult parts of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that also planted a seed, right? Of course, if there's any way that I could help couples avoid that or minimize the chances of it, I'm here for that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, after that, I was able to take an adventure because I grew up on the East Coast. I went to University of Miami, Duke, and NYU. So I was always on the East Coast. Took a chance and moved out west to California. I uh, really loved it out in the Bay Area. Ended up spending about five and a half years there. And it was during that time that I got Involved in personal development work and activism, the personal development work led me to realize I had an act for coaching and for actually doing coaching. And then the activism led me to realize I had an act for conflict resolution work, which led me to get certified in mediation. And that really gave me the confidence to choose this focus on couples and money at the intersection of relationships and money, which is exclusively the work that I do now. Um, and you know, it was a little over three years ago that I was like, Hey, I think I've got the right mix of skills, you know, mediator, a coach, former financial advisor, former tax attorney, if anyone's got the skill set from both ends of this, the human side and the money side to make a difference, maybe I can be that person. Mm. Right. And so I just started figuring out, well, what would it look like to bring these skills together? What could I bring to clients that's a value? I googled around there were very few people doing this work and if they do it was more like a side thing not their main focus uh there were only a handful of books on amazon about this which were striking to me considering it's a top every study i've seen has it a top four cause of divorce some of them have it number one um so why are there only like eight books about it so i ordered all the books and started reading them and started making youtube videos and writing blog posts and like Hey, what would this look like? What do couples really need? What makes the difference? What helps them move from that place of anxiety and overwhelm or even fighting to a place of partnership and teamwork and peace of mind around them? That's been the pursuit of the last three plus years and hopefully the next 30 plus years.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's so interesting, Adam. So you're mentioning kind of this, all these different titles that you've held. And you Mm -hmm. were talking kind of like this financial coach, right? You had these other experiences, you said a financial advisor and some of these other pieces. What, what makes a financial coach different? I know for me, it was a newer term that I've only recently learned about. Um, Would you mind sharing kind of what a financial coach is compared to some of these other professionals?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll try and speak specifically to what I do, right? I consider myself under the broader umbrella of financial coach, but there's a couple of distinctions that need to be made from my work, right? So um, I'm not a therapist, but I do think it's essential to be bringing in the human side, the relational side, the emotional side, not just of how each person in a couple feels about money, but also how they understand each other's. Points of view and how much they can empathize with and validate and accept that point of view and find compromise there. So, I am not coming from a specific therapeutic technique, right? Uh, My focus is not on healing past traumas around money. Um, When there's a case where there is a significant trauma or addiction, that's something that I refer out to a therapist. Um, But, nevertheless, inside of my work, the relationship between the couple is the essential piece, right? That is the thing that everything, that's the fertile soil from which everything else grows. Right. Um and then another way to distinguish it is from a financial advisor who historically or financial planner, they do more helping you with your investments for retirement and also things like life insurance or disability insurance, stuff like that. I used to work in that space. I was never licensed to deal with uh, investments, but I of course learned about some of that stuff. And so I bring this to my clients, Uh, but usually it's like, if you have goals around retirement, I can help you figure out the broader picture by asking you the right questions and then tell you who's the right professional to talk to. Right. So if you're looking for things like investments for retirement, uh, or five twenty nine college savings plans for your kid. I could explain to you what they are, general context, and then you go to a financial advisor to actually figure out the specifics and/or buy any of those products. Um, and then with a financial coach, uh, so we basically come from that coaching point of view. So it's a mix of mindset work, but also with a focus on action in the immediate term right to build towards the long term and uh, for me what it looks like is getting people comfortable and feeling safe to talk about money with their partner and then also to get really clear on their current financial situation and then figure out where they're trying to go what are their most important goals and practicing healthy dialogue along the way And once they have come to a joint vision for like, okay, these are the top two or three or four goals we want to pursue right now, then actually making a plan. We're here at our point A. We want to get to point B. Let's work backwards and figure out what that looks like on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, right? But along the way, like I said, it's essential to keep nurturing their communication around this, helping them not just with their introspection, um, but also just feeling safe and telling their partner what's up and being able to understand their partner's point of view and, you know, have their partner understand their point of view, because like anything else, we're not carbon copies of our partners, right? We're going to have inevitably, inevitably, at least somewhat different points.
0: I think it's really interesting, Adam. Um, One of the things we see all the time is like we have a good understanding that finances are a complex not just logistical, but emotional experience for individuals and couples. And I think it's really challenging sometimes because the fiscal world and some of the professionals in the fiscal world do not want to see that emotional side Mm -hmm. and how that influences somebody making decisions or how that, you know, they just want to stick to the facts or stick to Mm -hmm. the logistics.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so
0: I think it sounds like this is such a great resource for, for like almost in kinship with therapists of the idea of, you know, sitting down and, and having that be just as relevant as how much money you have is what does money mean to you? What does this look like? How does it play out? Um, and that sounds like something really great that you kind of have this ability to offer in this role that you have of the couple financial coach versus just, you know, the investment uh, professional or, you know, that other kind of areas in the finance world?
2: hundred percent. And you're right. That is kind of the unfortunate trajectory. And I, look, I get why, because number one, as a society, we can often be uncomfortable with our emotions. So that's part of why we avoid those conversations. But number two, when it comes to finances, there's this uh, tempting, quality to it, which is the fact that there are actual numbers, right? Like, for example, you could have the biggest mindset breakthrough you ever had, but if you don't have a thousand bucks in your account to pay a thousand dollars rent, you're going to be late on your rent, right? Like that's not going to happen just because you have an insight. On the other hand, if you have a bunch of money, but your relationship to finances and to the things that it impacts is not as healthy as you'd like it to be, then you could either have a really negative experience with the money, right, emotionally, or maybe you spend it and it disappears or trust people with it who take advantage of you, right? I mean, so much of this, it directly interfaces with money, but of course it touches on our sense of self, what matters, how we've been socialized based on our gender, our race, our religious community, our culture, right? All this stuff is so important. Um, and there's, each person has a unique experience because they've had a unique set of particular inputs, right? Um, but I think there's a lot of power, which is, as you were alluding to in identifying, hey, what are some of the key areas that influence how we or our clients look at money? And, you know, I'm a believer that you don't have to be necessarily an expert to be able to be a contribution in this area if you have enough confidence to say, okay, I know that I have some questions to ask. That can be a really helpful questions.
1: So, Adam, like tell us a little bit, what do you see people approach you with? Is it those big concerns? Is it that their very mind uh their mindset is really set? on the money and they don't understand that you do the emotional part? Like how do people generally approach you?
2: It's a really important question. Um, Sometimes I get a couple where at least one of them thinks, oh, it's just a money issue or it's just like uh, something we can change if we just force our way through it, like kind of just try and do better at the thing we've been trying to do for 10 years and hasn't worked, (laughs) which, you know, is Typically not the healthiest or most effective approach. But for the most part, and I think this is because of my branding and my marketing, is that it's clear if you look at my stuff that I am very focused on how the partners relate to each other, how the significant others relate to each other vis-a-vis money. So a lot of times they do come to me understanding that that's the place I come from. To be frank, I actually in my marketing sometimes have to talk more about the tactical stuff because I need to at least draw people in and mm-hmm. if I'm too overboard on the like relational and emotional stuff, they're like, Ooh, I don't know if that's for me, even though in reality, they may really benefit from that kind of work. Um, so yeah, I mean, when clients come to me, I, I found they fall into a handful of buckets. Uh, they're usually in a place of they're overwhelmed with their finances. Like they don't know where to begin. Um, and that's usually a case both of them don't know where to begin they are feeling anxious about their finances. At least one of them is feeling anxious. Uh, or there might even be tension or fighting, right? Maybe they're actively arguing about it, or maybe they argued in the past and they don't want to go back there again. So like they're in their void, right? And so that's kind of the general, like emotional place that they're in. But then more specifically, usually people coming to me is triggered by, a big life milestone, either happening or uh, as a goal. So for example, we're getting married. We want to figure out how to do this right from the beginning, or we want to have a children, or we want to have a child. I have clients come to me six months pregnant, and they're like, how quickly can we finish the program before baby gets here? I'm like, as quick as you're willing to work, we can go through it, right? Um, Career change, job change, big boost or decrease in household income. Uh, wanting to buy a home, anything like this, these kind of big life transitions or milestones. And they realize like, whoa, we either are not communicating the way that we know we ought to be, or there's significant gaps in our knowledge and we don't know how to fill those gaps. And we benefit from somebody who can help us do this, right? But also with a thoughtful approach, who's not just going to bang you over the head with a hammer, and also who's not going to be like here's a plan but give you nothing else because inevitably then when something goes wrong as it always does somebody overspends or whatever you're going to go right back to the same kind of communication on health right. and the plan is as likely to cause problems as it you can know, right so my work is really focused on how can i take you from that anxiety that overwhelm that tension that fighting to a place where you feel like you are teammates like your partners, like you're rowing in the same direction. You're sharing your hopes and dreams and your fears and worries, your main goals and why, right? And from that place, forging a shared vision is so much easier. Without trust and safety, it's darn near impossible to create a and legitimately, authentically mutual vision. But with that, you can do it. And then after that, The numbers, there's all kinds of tools out there, all kinds of apps and spreadsheets and whatever. But with couples, it's particularly difficult to get to that healthy space a lot of the time. And so that's what my work is focused on. But not just as like a separate entity, it's all done very much at the intersection of money. So we're actually looking at your accounts. We're actually calculating what it would cost to achieve whatever goals you might have but we're doing it in a constructive way alongside other activities and prompts and to get you communicating more and a healthier way.
3: Mm -hmm. Great.
0: Yeah. I think this is some of the things coming up in my head are um, individuals, right? We all have our own baggage quote unquote with money, right? Mm -hmm. We all have our different relationships with money. And I think to not put too fine a point on it, we therapists are also individuals right and so we can you know we talk a lot in our work about like self as a therapist and how like our own things can be beneficial and can have you know counter transference and transference and interfere with treatment and so the thing that comes to my mind is we often get to be the first at bat for somebody who you know it's well known that financial issues can cause relationship distress and so we'll be, you know, the first time somebody as a couple has this conversation. But I think it's money is something that most of us are not, you know, we're we're trained to not talk about or we're socialized to not talk about. And so we kind of as therapists need to talk about that, right? Just like we do these other things. But I think oftentimes we're fearful because of this idea of scope and we're kind of dancing a little bit around that, you know, we haven't used that term, right? But you say, oh, so you'll actually look at the finances. That's something to me that feels like it's pretty much out of my scope. Like I can't, I can't dig into these accounts with you. I can see something and talk to you about the process of it, but the actual digging in. And so I'm curious for what would you say to give a little bit of encouragement or um, insight into therapists of what would theoretically be good questions? What would be things that would fit in our scope before we would have to refer out?
2: Absolutely. And I'll preface this by saying my theory, this is, you know, intuition and anecdotal, not like database, of course, but my theory is that there's a good percentage of couples who with the right, a couple of right button pushes, that'll be all they need and things that might be within therapist scope. Other folks may need additional support. And by the way, I mean, even my clients almost certainly end up with at least one other professional by the time they're done with my program because they realize, oh yeah, I'd like to talk to that financial advisor. Oh, we should talk to that estate planning attorney to get uh, advanced directives and healthcare power of attorney, you know, a a will or a trust drawn up, right? Um, So what are some things that might be in the scope with the caveat that nothing here is legal advice and of course I'm not intimately familiar with uh, the ethics around scope and jurisdiction for uh psychiatrist, for psychologists and therapists. But some of these questions about your relationship to money are like, how did, how was money for you growing up? What were your parents like with money? What's it been like for you in past relationships regarding money? What's your experience with financial institutions? What's your point of, how do you feel about rich people or poor people? What comes to mind when I say, Rich people, Or when I say poor people, who do you see? Tell me about that person, right? Some of these things that it's not necessarily about that there's a particular conclusion you have to drive to, but giving the client, the couple, the space to actually think through some of these questions. And what I find is that even in just sharing about their histories with each other and the influences they grew up with, that alone sometimes is all that's needed to dissolve the walls because that conversation is a really, actually a really vulnerable one uh, to talk about your past, but it's also not one that lends itself to argument because you're just describing something, right. right? It's different. And this is why I say like, don't go straight to the numbers. Please don't go straight to the numbers. I'm telling other like financial coaches and advisors and couples like themselves, please don't go straight to the numbers. You're just going to argue from your same pattern place. Mm. Talk about some of this first. Learn to establish some trust and safety around this conversation. Um, other pieces, you know, awareness, right? We always say is the first step in shifting something and transforming something. So uh, people may be in denial about that they have challenges around money inside of their relationship or their marriage. So asking questions around that, like, um, and I have a document on uh, my webpage that lists all this out, but just to share a few, it's like, how often do you talk about money with your partner or even with other people in your life? How do you feel after you have those conversations? Right. Do you relate to yourself like a saver or a spender? You know, if those terms are new to you, how would you describe your own choices around money? Right? Um, how aware or not are you of your significant others, assets, debts, income, expenses, right? Which are terms that a lot of people may or may not know all four of those. Um, You know, what are your financial goals and plans? And what are your partners? Do you have the same, right? How much do you feel, how much on the same page do you feel like the two of you are or are not? And I think a lot of those questions can be posed uh, as an opportunity for reflection and, inside of so much of that there are other dynamics and you'll start to see them arise. And, you know, as a therapist, then taking whatever uh, modalities or theories are the ones you like to employ and then applying
3: them to that conversation is totally valid and valuable. Right. But it's, it may not be as
2: complex as it initially seems. Mm. Right. Just those questions about money tell me how you feel about money how was money growing up how was it with past partners you two know each other's goals you know each other's current situation how often do you talk about money and how does it feel right if you could have anything you wanted in this area what would you have Hmm. what difference would it make if you and your partner felt trust and safety around talking about right like what might give you peace of mind around money? and i think you can accomplish all of that without having to Look at specific numbers or be telling them, like, oh, you should do this, that, or the other thing. Right. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts, CJ and Erica, hearing me say that. Uh, but that's where I would come from with it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's really good advice for us as therapists to not be scared of the topic entirely. Right. Because there is this thing within scope um, that obviously, if we were giving advice, that's well. That's way over our line for scope, right? We've gone way out of bounds. We definitely don't want to do that. But starting to explore someone's meaning of life in different ways, like how do you make meaning out of this? How did that meaning be created is totally within our scope. And that would probably open up some things that if we were then going to hand them to you in a different format, um, would give some basis of communication that then can be added to the financial things that we. We definitely can't carry
2: absolutely um absolutely and you know in that space i would just say to look out for if you're asking these questions to a client whether it's a couple or an individual who's in a relationship like are you noticing the typical signs you might look for anxiety defensiveness discomfort uh criticism of themselves or their partner if that kind of stuff's coming up then it might be a good cue that there's some work to be done around right. this, right? And like I, like I say, that's part relational and emotional and also part tactical and practical.
0: Sure. Yeah, it sounds like the, the thing that's so interesting to me to hear some of this is, these are some of the same questions we ask about other things. Right. And mm-hmm. ironically enough, other taboo subjects, right? If we're working with a couple around sex issues, a lot of those are some of the same questions that we'll ask. How was how did you learn about sex growing up? What was your relationship with these things? And so it makes sense to have that same conversation about like fiscal things and money, because it sounds like you know that assumption uh, that it's actually about the money, the numeric and the, the the use that that numeric value of money is having, might not actually be the problem, right? And maybe it's you know if you have that, then maybe as therapists, we can understand that we could be much more effective in working with this financial piece, even without necessarily having referrals to get to some of those places before, you know, the obvious referral out of the insight of how to spend money or how to save money or any of those things. So I think that's a really great way to put those questions. And again, open our eyes to the fact that, it made this money thing we know deeply, right? We know it's not usually about the actual money because that's usually what, you know, we do on other couples issues. Mm -hmm. But I think to have those questions and to know that we don't have to go to this pointed path of like, how much do you spend on this? Or how, like, that's not necessarily our place. And nor is that what we need to do. That's kind of an interesting thing to chew on.
2: Right. I mean, it may not be productive, right? Because, Here's the reality: a lot of that pointed advice like that comes across as shame. Therapists are, of course, not in the business of shame, um, and it, it rather with those kind of open questions, giving people that space for self-discovery. And listen, don't get me wrong: like there are people living in poverty with low incomes, and for them, there is a lot riding on having that money in the account, and So I don't want to in any way, like, belittle or take away from that particular challenge. Like, that's a real challenge. And there are folks in my community around financial education and financial coaching. And there's also who can help with that, right, and resources for that. But for people who are making a little bit more income, they don't have to be wealthy, right? But they just, they have enough household income where it's not like the scraping by of scraping by, right? Then all of a sudden, there opens up some more space where, you know, frankly, even if you're in debt, it's like, would you rather be in debt and feel disconnected from your partner? Or what about if you're in debt trying to work out of it, but at least you have a teammate, right? And your best friend is alongside you and you're, you're on this journey together, right? That alone makes such a huge difference, but it only happens by confronting an uncomfortable conversation. Um, and like you said, this conversation therapists are not immune right I've had uh more than one therapist tell me that they suspect therapists as a population might have particular discomfort with the money conversation because uh you're in a helping profession, and so you know a lot of people are drawn there and there's all kinds of narratives around money and guilt or shame and you know if I'm making too much or charging too much right um, let alone the shadows of like discrimination and like. How do we do? Like, should we offer a sliding scale, and if so, to what kind of people? And how should we figure out who qualifies, and all of that? And I'm a white coach, so like, how do I do that with a person of color? Like, what's a, like, like that whole web of questions, right? Yeah. That can get really overwhelming. Um, and that's why I mean, I would encourage, frankly, therapists to ask themselves those same kinds of questions. Yeah. Um, just like with anything else, so that when it pops up with a client, we are less likely to be off our game because of the uh, like an emotional reaction. Um and then also Erica, like you were saying, avoiding those dynamics of like transferring our stuff onto our client, right? Um whether over identifying with them or over identifying with their significant other. Um you know it's an important thing that I've counseled a lot of financial coaches on for their work with couples. It's like, hey, Be careful because just because you had an ex-husband who took advantage of you financially and now you're divorced, be careful that you don't either over or under-identify with, let's say, your female client who's dealing with the same kind of dynamic, right? Because it could go either way, but cultivating that awareness like around any other issue that we might work with clients
3: on is really helpful.
0: Yeah, it's a great reminder about meeting somebody where they're at in that complexity of it all. And it sounds like, Absolutely. you know, you've done a wonderful job of educating yourself and continuing to educate yourself on all the different ways that that can be this impact. And, yeah. you know, that's something we, we talk about a lot in the therapeutic field is that, you know, trying to meet somebody where they're at and let them tell you and to hear these things, but also to have this background knowledge of kind of some of these historical contexts that yeah. may be an influence, even if we don't want to talk about it in session, right? Like CJ is saying, sometimes having that, you know, we don't necessarily go out, have to dig back all the way into the history, but to know that there's that history there.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, another potent example is that um, it wasn't a un, it wasn't the law of the land officially until I think it was 1974, give or take, that women could get credit cards without a mm-hmm. husband or father co Right? right? Um, mm-hmm. So some states that was okay, but it was, you know, it didn't become something that, hey, you cannot require this of women to open a bank account, right? That is now the law until the mid-70s. Okay, mm-hmm. so my, my mother was already like almost an adult at that point in time, right? So think about the messages she saw on TV mm-hmm. or in her family. Of course mm-hmm. you never saw a woman who managed her own uh, bank account and finances because that they couldn't do that, at least if they were married, right? Um, so all of this, you know, obviously each person's different and I don't want to over-impose sure. some of these like right. historical and societal right. things, but I agree with you that having that context is just super duper important.
0: So Adam, one of the things that I think is really challenging is couples therapy is often out of pocket, right? It's often something that's not covered by insurance. And to get a professional who's been doing the work for a while, it's not cheap session to session,
3: Yeah.
0: right? You know, I would say somewhere between one to $200 per appointment. And that's not counting if there's a higher rate for an initial appointment, which sometimes there is. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because some of the things that are hard for me when I'm working with a couple is I understand that. So when I'm working with a couple and I know their financial situation, I just really wanna make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make that money count that they're spending on my services. And so I get a little nervous thinking about what would it be like to send them to yet another professional that's going to cost money out of pocket And so I'm curious, one, you know, what do rates look like, maybe your rates, maybe just field rates, Um, but what's also kind of that, how can we talk to clients about it in that value of money, like what this money can do for you that doesn't really put us in this place of like, well, your problems can be fixed, but you need to pay a ton of money to get there.
2: Right, right. Well... I mean, the first thing I would say for anyone who's listening and thinking of, oh, there's a client who might benefit from what Adam does, I would say, you know, you don't have to necessarily worry about making the case to them or certainly not the entire case. Um, I offer complimentary consultations, I call them financial harmony consultations. So always willing to chat with somebody and see if there's a personality and needs fit. Sure. Um and then go from there. So I would say don't worry about too much of that. But you know, there is the always powerful question of if we're being honest with ourselves and you don't and nothing changes in this area of your life, what's it look like and feel like in a year and three and five and ten? Right. Okay. Um now there is look as a coach, like as a therapist, you can never make any promises or guarantees, right? But it's extraordinarily common for my clients to not only have increased clarity around their finances and comfort and confidence, but that also results in being much more efficient and intentional with their money. Um, I remember one client was having like $300 a month in bank fees and within a couple of weeks of starting with me, they never had another bank. Uh, Clients who increased their household income because in navigating these talks about money, and for me, looking at their financials, I said, oh, it looks like you're underpaid. And they're like, yeah, you know, we've always felt that, but been too scared to ask for a raise and was able to coach them both through, through our work to go and ask for that, raise, right? And their household income bumped up over 20%. Um, so these kinds of things are definitely possible and available and, and common with my clients to have these kinds of improvements to their finances. Um, beyond that, though, you know, when I first started, I was offering private coaching only because that was where I cut my teeth, right? With this, was like as a private coach. Uh, but over time, I realized, you know, I think I can turn this into something else that might be more scalable for me and affordable for the clients. And so, first thing I tried was a group coaching program, which was fantastically fun for me. I went really well for the clients. Uh, and then from there, turned that into an on-demand program. So there's an online course uh, that is all the same content I cover with my private clients, uh, including like understanding your money story and what it's been like in your life and relationships, figuring out your current financial situation, identifying your key priorities, coming up with a joint plan and then executing that, right? Because I think all of those pieces are really important. So all my programs cover them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have that variety anywhere from a self-paced program that is $7.99 and all the way up to the private coaching that is, as a time of recording, it's uh, $9.99 a month for three months. So it's all about the client's situation and need right where they are Um, and the only thing that distinguishes my programs like I said is how much live and private time you have with me to navigate your particular challenges right Um, but the same content is covered throughout with that intention of like I said not only scalability for me but also accessibility to folks from different communities and uh, the beauty as well of the online course is that because it doesn't require my time beyond helping them with the onboarding, that's something where I can be flexible with the price if there's a financial or uh, offer sales from time to time. Right? So I, I really like having that, whereas it's a little bit harder. And you know, this is there because it's harder to discount your hours. That's, that's, Difficult to do, right? Because it's already a lot of emotionally intense work that
3: you're doing with clients.
0: Um, but it's it's so curious mm. to to think about. You know, we have this conversation with people a lot. It took you how long to get here? It's not going to be one session until you get out. Yep. And so, you know, I'm really curious, and and this question is going to come across as a straightforward question, but. I know it's going to rely uh, heavily on expansion because that's how it would be if it was posed to us. Um, mm-hmm. But Adam, what kind of does a course of, um, I don't treatment doesn't feel like the right word, but that's our word, right? But what does kind of the course of working on this look like? How long, how many sessions? How long do people work with you? Kind of those typical things.
2: Yeah, um, so my programs are designed to last about, three months and um the information could be condensed into shorter span of time but i really like to give my couples a chance to have life happen Mm -hmm. right to have christmas or hanukkah and you spend a lot of money on gifts or oh it's our anniversary what do we do about that or you know friends come into town and want us to go out to a night in the city or oops i forgot to pay the credit card bill on time right because I love for them to do that while in the container of the program, especially so if they're working, if they have some private sessions with me, because then we can work through whatever comes up. Uh, And yeah, I mean, this is of course something that is an ongoing conversation within the relationship because you get a raise or you get laid off or your hours get cut. you have a kid or another kid, right? Or a family member needs some financial support or you outgrow the house you've been living in. All kinds of things happen over time and you want to be prepared to navigate those as a unit. And so that's the entire underpinning of the work that I do Mm -hmm. is to help them establish that. And by the time they're done working with me, they walk out with that trust and safety around talking about money and a clear vision on what are their two to four most important goals that they wanna work on right now and what it's gonna take to get there, right? What is a monthly spending plan and an overall bigger picture to accommodate one-off expenses like vacations or a water heater breaks, right? Like Mm -hmm. they have all of those different pieces in one. Um, And then from there, some of my clients are like, cool, we're all good and they go off on their own. Some of my clients like to stay with me and have quarterly follow-ups so that they have, you know, something there that. Well, you know how it goes. We wait till the last minute to do our homework or action items, so at least they know they have me coming up in next week. They're gonna, you know, get up and okay, I better open that new account or pay off that debt or whatever, right? Um, But of course, also support in navigating the challenges that arise. My goal is always that by the time they're done with these three-month programs, they've got everything they need to go on. I don't know if either of you are Star Wars fans, right? But uh, like Yoda says to uh, Luke in Episode 8, he says, the girl Ray has everything she needs, right, already. And this is like a theme in Star Wars when they say, oh, but I need to train this person more. They've got everything they need. Luke has everything he needs. Ray has everything she needs inside of her, right? That's my goal, to get people to that point in their Jedi training, from Padawans to Jedis, and that they can go and navigate this stuff largely on their own, if not entirely. Right, right.
0: That's great. It's good to kind of have that awareness of what what that would even look like, so that while we're working together in this partnership, that seems great, right, to have this referral source to be able to say, you know... Here's this. This is about how long that goes. So thank you so much for all the work you've put in to kind of come up with those things. Cause we're bad at that as yeah. therapists when yeah, people ask us how long we're going to see them for. So.
2: Yeah. And you know, just different models, right. Um, there were to be frank, like certain practical considerations that drove me to uh, want to create more of a program than a one like session by session, including because I don't have the ability to bill insurance. And so like, it's really helpful for me to have some sort of broader commitment. Uh, but yeah, as I've realized that therapists are my favorite referral partners because, you know, the clients are already committed to working on the relationship and they want to stay together and they're building their self awareness and communication skills. So that makes some great fits for me. Right. Uh, it was like, okay, well, how can I? Not only create value in my work, but also have it be something that is complementary to the work that therapists are doing. And you know, for anyone listening who has someone they'd be interested to refer, I am more than happy to conference with you as whatever is appropriate given your uh, obligations around disclosure of client information. But within that, if they give the go ahead or whatever, I am more than happy to canvas with you, understand whether specific needs. you know i'm not in the I wouldn't say I'm in the habit of this, but from time to time, I hear a client who has a distinct set of needs from my typical client, and so I'll try to put together a program that meets their needs in particular um, but either way, I you know have the full intention of being a partner with the therapists who are kind enough uh, to send potential clients my way um because we're there with the same goal having them have healthy and thriving lives and relationships and as therapists you come at that from a whole wide variety of perspectives and for me as a couples financial coach i come at it specifically from the finance perspective uh, but you know i i see it as part of the team right uh, the team of experts so to speak that you have one might be a therapist maybe a couple's financial coach maybe an advisor maybe a, an accountant And that's one of the beauties of our economy. It's got some drawbacks, but the specialization means you can go to somebody who really knows Mm -hmm. how to help you with that particular issue.
1: From our perspective, we obviously um, work with people all the time, but we're not financial advisors as we've said multiple times. So you should seek uh, professional references, all these sorts of things, go through all the legal things that this podcast is not legal. Explanation for anything you should you should do your due diligence and everything. But is there anything that we haven't asked Adam that um, that you would want to make sure that we do know as therapists?
3: Definitely, and thanks
2: for the opportunity. Um, there are some prevalent myths, and, and this should be no oh, yeah. surprise because money's such a taboo topic, right? Yeah,
3: absolutely.
2: And uh, and and a lot of couples they have these kind of inner narratives that might stop them before they even start to get help or even explore some of these things. Right. And that's, I imagine no different than therapy. Oh, therapy's nice, but it's not for me. Right. Well, similar thing here. Oh, it's great. Adam, that you had those results with those other couples, but it's not going to work for us to which I say, well, look, that whole money story that you've got going, you didn't, you weren't born with that. That got created over time, Mm
3: -hmm. which
2: it may be entrenched, but that also means it's malleable, right? If you created it, there's an opportunity there to shift.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: it. Right? Or sometimes people say, well, is it really worth the time or the money to invest in this? Like, it seems like it's going to take a lot of effort. Um, and you know, what comes to mind is one client who was so frustrated, he said, you know, we worked so hard to buy this home and I can't turn it in my dream home because of our money issues because they were having tension around money within a couple of weeks of working together because that weight got lifted off his shoulders because he realized that they were trending back towards partnership and teamwork in their marriage, as well as around money. All of a sudden ideas started to emerge. I can have my dad help. I got the kids help. And you know, he started doing projects around the house and it wasn't because they had more money, right? It was because some of these projects, where he had already had the tools, or mm. they maybe took a bucket of paint, right? Spending a few dollars. And I like, you know, I, I joke, like, yeah, you wanna install a marble island in your kitchen. Okay, it's gonna cost money. But like, repairing a stair mm. might be free or a couple of bucks, right? And so it was about getting that emotional weight off of his shoulders. All of a sudden, he had his whole family pitching in, helping to convert that house into the dream home. Um, so I really encourage people like, again, we'll put up these walls. It's not going to work for me or it's not going to be worth the time or it'll just make things worse. And I say, look, if you just continue talking about money, the same way you have been, it might make things worse. Right. right? But that's, doesn't have to be the way with the right support, guidance, tools, frameworks, knowledge. You can actually have these be healthy, productive conversations. and, I mean, it happens to me pretty often that a client's like, oh my God, I haven't felt this way in years, right? right? I haven't felt this way since our wedding day. I haven't called him my best friend in years. Another one recently was like, I'm so moved because you got my husband to like show up in a way that I've been trying for like a decade to get him to show up, yeah. right? To understand and appreciate the importance and seriousness of the conversations around money and the importance and seriousness of them to me, right? So." Um, there's so much that's possible, but w- sometimes you have to get through some of those roadblocks first. And, um, I guess I would encourage you as a therapist, if a client comes in and they're kind of throwing some of those up at you, um, just feel free to use what I said, mm-hmm. right? The time and energy pieces. look, it's actually going to lift a huge weight off your shoulder, right. uh, it's going to make things worse pieces. With the right support, it will go great. And be willing to encourage them to move through those things and take a chance that hey, you know, whether it's about working with me is no matter, but like, you know, sit down, open a bottle of wine, light a candle, whatever it is, and have a conversation. And first just talk about how it was growing up with mine. Sure. See how that goes, right? Even just getting inviting them into a step like that, which alone I mean, sometimes clients have come to me after like that first module and I'm like, all right, you're pretty much done. Like mm. the rest of it is just, you plug it into a spreadsheet from here. Like you've, you've knocked down that wall. Right. And of course there's always more to do as sure. you can appreciate as therapists where we're karmic onions as my friend Piper likes to say always another layer. But sometimes even that one conversation.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up, um, because that's the thing, right? Myths stay true until they're challenged. And then we get that different mm-hmm. perspective in place. Um, uh, and we can see different opportunities mm-hmm. once we have that challenge. Um, we then have options. Absolutely. Well right. Right. So, uh, give us a little bit of the, uh, ways that people are best to access you how could they contact you give us a rundown of the useful things you have on your website because you have a bunch of stuff on there
2: (laughs) i do indeed Um, so because therapists are such rad referral partners for me uh, i've begun creating content specifically for therapists so my website which is couplesfinancialcoach.com but if you go to couplesfinancialcoach.com therapist with like singular, not plural, there will be a fair amount of content on there. I have a one page document to help understand when a client might benefit from couples financial coaching. I have a link to my podcast, which is all about money and relationships. I have a link to a presentation I put together Uh, for therapists specifically on breaking the cycles around money avoidance and anxiety and arguing. Um, And also when you're on that page, you should receive a little pop-up window to sign up for a handout I put together, which is basically intended to help you when a client has a financial issue that you can bring some more confidence to know, What you could recommend to them as far as who they might want to talk to, right? What would be the best next step for them, even if it's something that you don't want to or don't feel equipped to cover, right? So that's called 12 common financial challenges and the right referral partner, just like 12 simple one-liners. But things like, my partner spends way too much and I'm a saver. How do I protect my family if I get hurt, sick, or die too soon? How can we pay off our debt or improve our credit? And who's the person you'd want to talk to about that? Of course, some of them are couples, financial coach, or, or me, uh, but most of them are other people, right? Because there's a wide variety of professionals. So I recommend signing up for that. And then in exchange, you'd be on my mailing list and get once or twice a month content specifically made to help therapists support their clients around money-related challenges. So that's the main, st- the main ways to contact me as far as therapists. If you want to set up a one-to-one, There's a link on that page as well. Uh, But if you are like champing at the bit to do that right now, you can go to bit.ly slash therapist chat, all lowercase. So bit.ly slash therapist chat. And a similar kind of link bit.ly slash financial harmony consultation. I know it's a lot of letters, so forgive me. But if you have a client who really wants to talk to me, they can go through there and set up a time to have a free chat. So theitly slash financial harmony consultation. And yeah, you know, I really appreciate you all because as a time of recording, this is the first podcast specifically for therapists that I'm getting a chance to be on. So from anyone listening, I certainly welcome your feedback. Please don't hesitate to message me on social media or through my website and say, what kinds of content you'd like to see that would be valuable to you and your clients uh, because that's the best insight information I could get on what would be the right direction to go as far as what I'm putting together for you all. So again, thank you for the opportunity, CJ and Erica. Appreciate everybody for tuning in.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been so wonderful to learn this information and, uh, thank you for the work that you're doing to help provide us as therapists specifically with resources because it is, it is a challenge, I think, for a lot of us to find therapist-specific resources for dealing with couples and money. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's really not the most accessible thing. And as we've talked about, it's a really hard thing to talk about sometimes. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for taking the time to talk with us My and pleasure. share this information with us and the profession. My pleasure.
2: Again.
3: Thank you so much.
0: And for anyone who's looking to get in contact with us, just a reminder, we're always open to hearing your feedback and thoughts. Um, If you have interest in being on our podcast or if you have any feedback for us regarding the podcast, uh, just a reminder that our email is concerning.therapists at gmail.com.